0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke, Jesus, Jesus said there will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also... When you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
1: O Lord, may your word only be spoken. And may your word only be heard in the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Being a pretty well-educated congregation here gathered, I bet a few of us here may have heard or read or maybe even used the word Jeremiah in conversation or writing. It's a very biblical word. I bet it's a good crossword puzzle word. It's also a particularly colonial New England word. 17th and 18th century Puritan divines like Cotton Mather and Jonathan Edwards were known for preaching Jeremiads from the pulpit, like sinners in the hands of an angry God. I'm going to repeat that for you this morning. Depending on your politics, you could go to certain media outlets even today. And here a Jeremiah or two. And if you're like me, you think you know what it means. It's a long rambling rant about how things are going to hell in a handbasket. As I've discovered, however, that's only part of the answer. As much as it is, as much as it is a rant about what's wrong in the present, a Jeremiah holds out hope. The promise of hope for a future that is better and brighter, provided we do our part to get our own acts together. This morning we hear a bit of the original Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet in Judah, working in the early seventh and into the late sixth centuries before Christ. The fifty-two chapters of the book of Jeremiah contain oracles of uttered during his ministry and they were put together by an editor sometime after the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by the Babylonians in the year 587 before Christ in exquisite detail Jeremiah correctly predicted that Judah and the dynasty of David would be crushed by its enemies this defeat was punishment for breaking the covenant with Yahweh By engaging in pagan idolatry in sexual immorality and in the exploitation of the poor very much against his own will Jeremiah proclaimed that the Babylonians were God's chosen instruments for disciplining the people and even welcomed their destructive might for his trouble Jeremiah was among other things as you might expect thrown into a cistern, he was put into stocks, he was nearly killed, he was thrown into prison, and he had sets of his oracles burned, and ultimately he was exiled to Egypt, where he died, but not before seeing the Babylonians lay siege to Jerusalem. One tradition has it that he was stoned to death by his fellow refugees in Egypt because they could no longer stand hearing. Is Jeremiah. They just couldn't take it anymore. Now of these 52 chapters, 48 are vivid descriptions of the people's sins and the coming punishments. This is Jeremiah's rant. The rant part of a Jeremiah. Ad. But right in the heart of the rant, there is a patch of hope. Right in there, in chapters 30-33, through there is a patch of bright light, a patch of hope. Scholars have called these chapters the Book of Consolation. And that's what we have an excerpt from this morning. The Book of Consolation. Jeremiah delivers these words from the jail of Zedekiah. Zedekiah was the king of Judah. And not surprisingly, uh, Zedekiah had thrown him into jail to try to muzzle him, even as his prophecies were coming true. So from the depths of prison, in the midst of a siege that will destroy everything he knows and cares about, Jeremiah can say on behalf of God, surely the days are coming. When I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at those times, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. Now, Jeremiah's words are more than mere talk. While he's in prison during this time, he actually arranges to buy a piece of land seemingly worthless, this land, because, of course, the Babylonians are laying siege to Jerusalem, even amidst the wreckage, which he sees with ruthless clarity, Jeremiah stakes a claim confident in the trustworthiness of God's promise for the future. As it turns out, 70 years later, the temple and Jerusalem were rebuilt and the exiles returned from Babylon and from Egypt. One can see why Jeremiah made it into the Hebrew Bible. Words of truth, but also words of hope. Since the first century, many Christians have seen in Jesus the fulfillment of this process of this promise uttered by Jeremiah Jesus is the righteous branch to which Jeremiah unknowingly refers. Now, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to observe that our own day is also a time of waiting in the wreckage. Like Jeremiah, we could each rant about what is wrong in the world. Like Jeremiah, we can also speculate about how those wrongs came to be. The economic downturn that began well over a year ago remains unresolved. There are those among us who have not had work for well over a year. Benefits have been extended, but those extensions are coming to a final end. Savings are depleted. I read just the other day in the Times that 20,000 new people are receiving food stamps each day. 20,000 new people a day are coming on to the food stamp program. Thank God we have it. There is a war that seems endless as to its financial and human costs. And of course, there is the morass of the healthcare care situation. While we may be clear about what we are longing and hoping for, a job, the return home of a loved one, perhaps restoration to health, the future remains Unclear and unsettled. Even this season of Advent can add to the bleakness of the landscape. We may feel those burdensome expectations of the way we're supposed to feel and the way we're supposed to act during this season. And instead of waiting for Christmas, we find that we're waiting for Christmas to be over. How did Jeremiah cling to hope? How can we cling to hope? Jeremiah had hope because he clung to God. He clung to God with all of his might. We might get strength to hold on from words Jeremiah wrote in a letter elsewhere in the book of Jeremiah, a letter he wrote to those who had already been carried off to Babylon. They'd already been carried away by the Babylonian soldiers. He writes them a letter on behalf of God, and he says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. For these same sentiments taken from another translation, God says, By the pen of Jeremiah. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Not abandon you. Plans to give you the future. That you hope for. Maybe we can set aside time. In this Advent season. To ask God to help us. To hold on. To hope. To hold on to God. Even just a few minutes a day. In a quiet place. With the Hebrew Bible readings. For the four Sundays of Advent in front of us. Even just this little bit. Can help us to hold on to God. To cling to the hope. That God wants for us. Imagine each of those passages. Is written For you, just for you, to help you hold on to hope. Perhaps putting this stake into a patch of spiritual ground, however small, however much surrounded by the wasteland, perhaps this stake can give us reason for hope. And we'll wait there on that ground, that patch of hope. We'll wait there together for the reawakening of hope that comes with the birth of any baby, but especially with the birth of this particular baby, our community's particular baby. In the pocket of hope, the righteous branch. Within our Jeremiah, that pocket of hope will grow and it will grow. Amen.